have a time of prayer before we hear the message. Gracious God, Heavenly Father, as we come before your word this morning, we ask that our hearts are open, our minds are transformed and renewed by your word. I pray that we are both comforted and convicted by your word according to the leading of the Spirit. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. My brothers and sisters in Christ, I had no idea when I planned this series on Follow Me, being a disciple, a follower of Jesus, how pertinent the last few messages would be. So two weeks ago, we spoke about building your house on the rock about going through all the trials and tribulations that we have in this particular life, and how if we build our house on the rock, we can withstand all of those trials and tribulations. I recall us talking about the song, It Is Well With My Soul. I think if we build our house on the rock, that we as Christians can sing that, and we can actually give that message then to others who are in fear and who might even be in hysteria right now or who could be ill and going through those trials and tribulations. We can sing, it is well with my soul because we are built on the rock. And not just our lives, but our family should build our house on the rock and the church itself building our house, the house of God on the rock of Christ Jesus. And then last week, we talked about being set free by the truth of Christ Jesus, knowing him as the eternal truth, the unchanging eternal truth and the gospel message. And when we abide in his word, we know the truth. And then we are free from that bondage of sin. And when we are free and we really know the gospel and we are free from the bondage of sin, then those cares and troubles of the world also subside. That we then aren't so afraid of illness and that we have no fear of death. Death has no sting anymore. Those were the last two messages. And then today, today is about abiding in Jesus. That's the message. And he repeats that word again and again, abide, abide, abide in him, abide in his word. And when we do that, we bear fruit that glorifies the Father and glorifies the Son. When we abide in Him, we have the fruit of salvation, we have the fruit of the Spirit, we have fruit of discipleship uh, of the harvest, and we also have the fruit of love and joy and peace. The fact is, even in the midst of turbulent times, If you abide in Jesus and his word, your joy will be full. Let me repeat that again. Even in the midst of turbulent times, if you abide in Jesus and his word, your joy will be full. So today, our central theme is abiding in Jesus and bearing fruit. These two things go hand in hand, and you can't have one without the other. So our roadmap today is Jesus the true vine, abiding in Christ, not bearing fruit, and bearing fruit. Those are the four things. So we are going to go ahead with Jesus, the true vine. 
So our scripture reading, John chapter 1, verse, chapter 15, verse 1. I am the true vine. This is one of the I am statements of Jesus. There are seven of them in John's gospel. In fact, here's what it says. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the gate. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I am the true vine. Now, as I told you before, if you've been a member of uh, Joy family here, you've heard this before. These I am statements actually refer back to Exodus when God was speaking to Moses. So Exodus chapter 3, verse 13 and 14. Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, has sent me to you and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. So the I am statements reflect and go back to the Lord, Yahweh, the great I am. And this language is not used just for the Father. It is also associated directly with the Son. That's why it's very important when Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I am the way, the truth, the life. I am the true vine. It's language that reflects all the way back to Exodus. So it's the Father and the Son, and even goes into Revelation. The great I am. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. This is I am. At the same time, Jesus says, I am the true vine. Now, this vine imagery would have been very familiar to the Israelites and the people who were hearing Jesus. As a matter of fact, if you go to Psalm 80, Psalm 80, verse 8 and 9, you brought a vine out of Egypt and you drove out the nation and planted it. You cleared the ground for it. It took deep root and filled the land. In another from Isaiah chapter 5, verse 7, the vineyard of the Lord, Alm the vineyard of the Lord Almighty is the house of Israel and the men of Judah are in the garden of are the garden of his delight. So the grapevine is actually associated with Israel throughout many places. As a matter of fact, it was a symbol of national life. During one particular time in the history of Israel, during the Maccabean uh, history, the period, which is about 167 and 160 BC, their regard for it was so high that they minted coins with a grapevine on it, with, with, uh, with uh, grape, grapevine, grape leaves. So it was so high that, you know how we have the stars and stripes for our flag? That was how high they held the grape and the grapevines for Israel. So precious, one commentator wrote this, so precious was a symbol to the Jews that a huge gold grapevine decorated the gates of the temple. But Jesus says that he is the true vine. He's not just a vine, but he says he is the true vine. So what does he mean by that? Well, it means that he and he alone is the true vine. This also means, and there's an implication, that there are false vines. See, the nation of Israel, after a while, started to think that it was 
it was the vine itself. Not the branches of the vine, but the vine itself. And that there was only salvation from the nation of Israel. Now, you have to understand, though, that they sinned greatly. As a matter of fact, Jeremiah chapter 2, 21. The Lord is chastising and rebuking them. Yet I planted you a choice vine, holy of pure seed. How then have you turned degenerate and become a wild vine? See, the nation of Israel had sinned a number of times, and so they can't actually be considered the true vine, the unchanging vine. And a lot of nations have that today. Some people in America think America is the true vine. But no, the nations are not the true vine. Now, some people also might say the church. Some churches have said, well, this church is the true vine, and salvation can only come from this particular church. Jesus didn't say that either. Now, if you also take a look at other religions, a lot of people say, well, maybe there's the true vine. Maybe Buddha is a true vine. Or maybe Muhammad or Krishna or many of the other gods or religious figures. But against all of that, Jesus says, no. I am the true vine. Jesus makes it very clear that he and he alone is the true vine. He is the original one, the source from whom all life flows. And if you aren't connected to him, you don't have the life that he gives. So he says, he is the true vine. And then verse 5 says that you and I are branches. Now, I have to admit, If you're not in horticulture, if you don't do a lot of tending grapes or other things, what does that mean? Jesus is the vine and we are the branches. Well, since Jesus used a horticultural example, let me give you one here. In England, in Hampton Court, London, there is one of the oldest and largest known vines in the world. It's called the Great Vine. It's believed to have been planted in 1768 and so it makes it more than 250 years old. It also has uh, vines up to 120 feet long. Now, in 1800, the girth of the vine was about one foot in diameter. By 1887, it was four feet around, and by today, it's about 13 feet around. That's one huge vine. Now, the vine blossom, uh, the, the branches, they blossom in early May, and the flowers are, apparently are really fragrant. The crop is harvested in September. It usually takes the vine weaker about three weeks to harvest that particular crop. On average, they get five to 700 bunches of grapes, which equals about, um, you know, about five to 700 pounds. But there were two really big harvests one time. One uh, was in 1798, 1,800 bunches of grapes. And then in 1807, 2,245 bunches of grape, which is over a ton of grapes from one vine. Pretty amazing, isn't it? So you you can get the idea of what this vine might be like, what what this vine and all the branches are. So let me ask you, there's the vine What's the role of the branches? 
No, people don't really think about it that way, but what is the role of the branches? Well, the role of the branches is twofold. One is to stay connected to the vine. If they don't stay connected to the vine, they die off. They wither and die off, right? So the role of the branch is to stay attached to the vine. The second part, though, is to bear fruit. Each branch is there specifically to bear fruit. So we're going to take a look at these two parts, staying connected, which we call abiding, and then bearing fruit. So let's go to abide in Jesus. I know it's going to be small on the screen here, but the verses are uh, John 15, verse 4 through 7, and then 10. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. And then verse 10. If you, com- if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. Now, I bet listening to that, that word abide pops out a lot, doesn't it? It's not a word that you and I use a whole lot, but here in our scripture reading from today, it shows up and is repeated 10 times. So if it's repeated 10 times, we should pay attention to that word, Right? Abide is a word that you and I don't use very much. So what does abide mean? So abide means to remain, to spend time with someone or something. It speaks of a closer relationship and includes the idea of persevering. So to really spend time with another person. As it said in the garden, to tarry there. Isn't that a lovely phrase? To tarry, to spend time with a little while longer. But abiding doesn't mean just close by. It's got that sense of continually abiding together all the time. That's what Jesus is talking about, to continually abide with him. A branch can't just occasionally be attached to the vine, right? I mean, it's not like you can come just to church on Sunday and somehow be attached and then detach yourself for the rest of the week. I mean, you would wither and die, right? So you have to abide with Christ ongoingly. And you have to be in Christ. That's what he's talking about, to be in him, abide with him. So you can't just be spiritual but not not religious, because that's not abiding in Christ either. So how can you and I abide with him? Well, the first thing is you are grafted in in a particular manner. You are grafted in because of what Christ has done. He went to the cross for your sins. And through his death and his resurrection, when you repent and confess Christ as Lord and Savior, you are grafted in. It is by his blood and believing in him 
that you become grafted in. So when he says abide with him, that we abide with him because of his death and his resurrection, it has a whole different sense of just having Jesus as my friend. No, he is Lord and Savior. And how do you remain then? So we talk about this ongoing, right? How do you continually abide in him? You remain grafted in. You remain, you abide in him ongoingly by being in his word. Verse seven, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Now, isn't this interesting? He didn't say, if you just hear my words, if you just read them occasionally, he says, abide. If my words abide in you, that means they've, they've got to soak through you. They've got to be your lifeblood. And that's why it's important to read not just once or twice a week, but we talked about last week in the message, four or more times to be able to abide in him four or more times uh, in his word a week. That's what starts to make the difference, but it really should be on an everyday basis. Look, and you know the difference. I'm sure that you know people who abide in his word and there's a difference in their life. I've had the honor of knowing people who uh, have gotten elderly and have had dementia, Alzheimer's. I remember one very sweet lady from my previous church and, uh, oh, what a strong Christian, really strong Christian. And she knew scripture and she could quote it. She was singing all the time. It was just wonderful. But Alzheimer's took over. And near the end, she really couldn't remember, well, she couldn't even remember who I was. Sometimes she had trouble remembering who her husband was. But she always knew who Jesus was and who Jesus is. And you and I should have faith like that. That's the faith that happens when you abide in his word and his word abides in you. Now, he does say something interesting. He says, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. There's a couple things here. One, look, if you are abiding in him and his words abide in you, what you will wish for will most likely be consistent with his word. So you wish for righteous living. You wish for being led by the Spirit. You wish to glorify the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. These are all things that God honors. But he won't honor things that are not according to his word. Jesus will not honor things that go against his word. And so you can't just ask Jesus for anything especially if you're not abiding in him first. So that's the first thing. You have to be grafted in and then abide in him. And when his words abide in you, then you start naturally asking and praying for the things according to his will already. And so there's one other way about abiding in him, and it's a word, and it's called obedience. This is not a popular word today. Nobody really particularly likes this word Yet, verse 10 says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. 
To love Jesus is to keep his commandments. To keep his commandment or commandments is to love him. If you love Jesus, to love Jesus, to keep his commandments, to keep his commandments is to love him. It's one and the same. Now, you and I, if you've been a member of Joy Church here, we've covered this extensively in the past few months. We can't just give lip service to our Lord. He doesn't want that. We can't give lip service to what he says. We are actually to live out what he says. Again, you don't know what he says unless his word abides in you. Listen, you guys know this one. You already know this one. That when you are faithful to Christ, you're abiding in him, keeping his, what he has said, you have a sense of joy and love. And you know this. Look, if there's a husband who's having an affair with a woman, not his wife, having an affair, and then he comes and complains to you, he says, you know, I just don't think that there's much love in my marriage anymore. You would want to take him by the shoulders and just shake him and say, well, of course there's no love in your marriage. You aren't even being faithful to your wife. How could you expect such a feeling of love? The same with Christ Jesus. The more we honor his word, the more we are filled with his love and ultimately his joy. So if you aren't feeling very close to Jesus right now, it might be a time for you to repent. I know that's not a popular word either, but it could be a time to repent, read his word, follow his commandments. So Jesus, the true vine, abide in him. Now, the purpose, the second purpose we talked about for a branch is to bear fruit. So we're going to talk about bearing fruit in a moment. But first, I want to talk about not bearing fruit, because that's also a pertinent message today. So back to our scripture, Gospel of John, chapter 15, verses 1 through 2, and then 6. Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it will bear more fruit. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into fire and burned. So Pastor John Piper said this, he commented, The reason Jesus doesn't just say, I am the vine and you are the branches, but includes the vine dresser in the metaphor, is that he wants us to know two great things that the Father does in tending the vine and the branches. One, one is that God will take away fruitless branches, and the other is that God prunes fruitful branches. He cuts away the lifeless and cultivates the living. He destroys and he disciplines. If you are not bearing fruit, two things. You will either be destroyed or you will be pruned. John Piper goes on to say this. He says, Jesus was preparing his disciples for two things that will come. Defection from the inside and persecution from the outside. Sham from the inside and suffering on the outside. They will be broken off in due time and burned. So, brothers and sisters in Christ, I think we are living in such a time as this. 
there are people who claim Jesus, but don't really know him. There are a number of pastors who preach in foul language, using words wholly inappropriate. There are people who have created their own version of the Bible to go ahead and promote their own desires. There are so-called Christians in this world who actually lift up and live out loud and proud what the Bible calls sin. And it could be sin of many different things. It's the work of the flesh. If you go to Galatians chapter 5, starting with verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. It's a long list, isn't it? I'm sure there are other things that could be added in there. And we want to say, well, that's too harsh. But what did Jesus say? Verse 6 of our reading from the gospel. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. Now that may sound harsh, but these are the words of Scripture. These are the words of Jesus. And again, we've covered this many times in many different ways, that we can't just give lip service. Look, if you're dead in your faith, if your heart is apathetic, you really don't care if Jesus is Lord and Savior, or if you're like the church in Laodicea, neither hot nor cold, so he spits you out of his mouth. If you are set against Christ and have a hardness of heart against him, the message is the end is not good for you, that you will be gathered and then thrown into the fire and burned. It's a sobering thought, isn't it? It's a sobering lesson. So the question in the statement here is, if there is no fruit of Christ in our lives, we had better reconsider the authenticity of our faith. Let, let me repeat that again because it's important. If there is no fruit of Christ in our lives, we had better reconsider the authenticity of our faith. Now, those are for people who are branches who are dead. But let's say you're still alive in Christ, you're abiding in Christ, but you're not quite bearing the fruit that you think you should, or certainly God desires that you should. So what happens there? Well, it's not that you are burned away, but that you will be pruned. The Father prunes you so you can bear as much fruit as possible. Remember, that's the goal of the branches, to bear as much fruit as possible. Now, I don't know about you, but if you've done any pruning before, sometimes it's just a little snip here, a little snip there. Sometimes, though, you have to cut down almost practically to the very nub of the plant because so much has overgrown or dead. There's a lot of things that have to be cut off so that the plant bears fruit. Now, when it comes to us being pruned, 
Sometimes there's little snips here and there, and they hurt a little bit. They're kind of uncomfortable. But man, sometimes in our life, especially if we are involved in a particular sin of some sort, there's a whole lot of pruning that goes on. And sometimes it feels like a limb has been chopped off. And you almost want to cry out to God and blame him. But no, no, God is pruning you. He is pruning you so that you may be healthy, so that you may live in the fruit of what he has done and bear much fruit. See, when you are pruned, then Christ is there. And the more you get pruned, the more Christ shines through. You see, the Father will prune you, but he will never harm you in that respect. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11 says, For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Look, my guess during this particular turbulent time is that there's a lot of pruning going on. I get that. And sometimes it can be painful. But abide in him and that you will bear much fruit in your life, the fruit of Christ Jesus. So now let's talk about bearing fruit. Verse 5 and 8 from our scripture reading. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Okay, so the question is, what kind of fruit are you supposed to bear? Well, this is not the fruit of the earth, so to speak. This is not a better house, a better car, more clothes, things like that. That's not the fruit that we're talking about at all. When Jesus speaks about fruit, it is of enduring value. It is of spiritual nature. So there are four types of fruits that I'd like you to consider bearing. The first is the fruit of salvation. First of all, when you're grafted in him, you become a new creature, a new creation in Christ. You are a brand new branch on that particular vine. And there is the fruit of that new life that you have in Christ Jesus. And being filled with him, you have the fruit of his righteousness. And thus you start to be renewed and transformed and living a different life. Philippians chapter 1, verse 9 and through 11 says this, And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. That's the fruit that we're talking about. Now, When you are in that fruit of righteousness and then for you are led by the Spirit, you have the fruit of the Spirit. So Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Don't you think our world right now needs people who are bearing this fruit? If you need that particular fruit, 
Abide in his word. And the spirit will lead you. And the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The third type of fruit that you will bear is one of discipleship. Now, let's talk about fruit for a moment. I like fruit, but do you ever wonder what the purpose of fruit is? Now, for us, the purpose of fruit is eating, but actually what's in the fruit? It's a seed, isn't it? It's a seed for another plant to grow. So when we are in Christ Jesus and we are bearing fruit, we are sharing his word, his truth, and we're planting seeds. And that's what we do. We plant seeds. You should actually be bearing so much fruit that you just want to go around sharing those particular seeds with people and then nurturing them, helping them grow by helping them abide in his word. So it's discipleship. It's one of the fruits. And finally, the last one is the fruit of joy. Verse 11 from our gospel reading, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Jesus says, look, abide in me. Let my words abide in you. Obey my commandments. This is the love that I have for you. And if you do that, you will love me. And then you know what? You will have joy. And that's what we started with the message, right? That throughout all this turbulent times, you will still be able to have the joy of Christ Jesus in your life. So there are a couple things for you to consider today. First of all, do you believe that Jesus is the one and only true vine? This is where you have to start. If you don't know him, call out to him. Repent of your sins. Confess him as Lord and Savior who died for you, rose again, who is the great I am. That's the first thing, Jesus being the true vine. Are you abiding in him? We talked about this last week. Are you reading his word at least four times a week? And finally, are you bearing fruit? This is a difficult question, but one we must all ask. Are you bearing fruit? If not, why not? And if so, what kind of fruit are you bearing? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you are the true vine and that through you we are the branches. We thank you and we praise you. We exalt you. Help us through the power of the Holy Spirit to continue ever abiding in you. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope that you've been blessed by this message. If you have any questions or you would like to grow deeper in your faith, please visit our website at joyccc.com. Again, that's joyccc.com.